Hello, and thank you for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this disc, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit riveroflifefl.com. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I taught her how to sing like that. (laughs) Parents, listen to me. Really, I did. Not my talent, but as a father, I encouraged her to step into and to walk in and fulfill her own talent. And that's what we should be doing with our children. I'd like for you to open your Bibles this morning to 2 John. 2 John. In fact, we'll be looking at scriptures in 2 and 3 John. We recently went all the way through the book of 1 John. And after praying about it and seeking the Lord's will, I have decided to continue on through 2 John and 3 John. Now, don't let that frighten you. I know somebody said after I'd been in 1 John for a while, somebody asked, what's the longest book in the Bible? And somebody in this church said, 1 John. And, uh, but, but don't get all that nervous because uh, uh, these two letters, these two books, we call them, are, are very short and very practical. And we will go through them very quickly, probably three or four messages. Second uh, John has 13 verses. Third uh, John has 14 verses for a total of 27 verses. And so uh, both of these books together are very brief and very pointed, but also very important. If it were not so, they would not be in the Bible. Now, along with a couple, not many, but just a couple practical teachings for Christians that we will find in 2nd and 3rd John, we also find the absolute most important teaching in the Bible for those of us who are in the family of faith. Now, I know that's a big statement. Let me say it one more time. The absolute most important teaching in the Bible for those of us who are in the family of faith. If someone were to walk up to you this morning and ask this question, can you please tell me what the one most important thing is for me as a Christian? I've just given my life to Christ. I've just been baptized. I'm just getting started. Can you tell me what the one most important thing is? Could you answer that question? Could you tell them what the one thing is that's more important than anything else? Well, in just a few moments, you'll know the answer to that. Now, I'm sure, you, sure you've heard this expression before. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, friends, I know that's old, but really what's about to happen here is that John in these two letters will remind us of what the main thing really is. And I do want to tell you this. It's not controversial at all. 
It's crystal clear. You will see it. We will all see it. And I'm confident in this church we'll all be in perfect agreement on this. And I, I'm, I mean that. And I can't think of anything I'd rather preach on this first Sunday of the year than the main thing. Now, I'm going to tell you what that is in just a moment. But the one most important thing, if you are a born-again, baptized believer who loves Jesus and you love the Bible, you love His Word, you love His church, and you want to live for Him for the rest of your life, then you need to know the one thing that's more important than anything else. Here it is. Are you ready? One word. Five letters. More important than anything else. Truth. That's it. Nothing compares to it. Truth. And and by the way, that shouldn't surprise you if you've been in your Bible very long. Let me give you kind of a rapid jet ride through the Scriptures. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, God is the God of truth. Psalm 33, 4 says, all His works are done in truth. John 1, 14 says, Jesus was full of truth. John 14, 6 says, Jesus was the truth. John 14, 17 calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. Daniel 10, 21 calls the Bible the Scripture of truth. John 8, 32 says we are set free by the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 tells us that loving the truth leads to salvation. John 17, 17 says that we are sanctified by the truth. 1 Peter 1, 22 says we purify ourselves by obeying the truth. Ephesians 4.15 says we are to speak the truth in love. 1 Corinthians 13.6 says we rejoice in the truth. John 2.20, John 4.24 says we can't worship God without the truth. And Romans 2.8 says we'll be judged by the truth. And as we are about to see in these two letters, John, the last living apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, the last one to pen words in the Holy Bible wants us to know that walking in the truth and not being deceived is one of the most important things for the life in the life of a Christian. Now, with all that in mind, let me just read some scripture to you. We'll begin 2 John verse 1. 2 John verse 1. The elder. That's what John, how John refers to himself. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also those who have known the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. Now... Five times in those first four verses, we find the Greek word aletheia, which means truth. In every sense of the word, John is focused on truth. He is inspired by truth. He is motivated by truth. He is controlled by truth. He is writing these words under the inspiration of the spirit of truth. John is all about truth. And everything he says has to do with truth. It's not that truth is more important than everything else. It's that everything else falls short if it's not based on the truth. And so John is all about truth. You see, in a world full of lies and liars and deception 
John wants this elect lady, this very special godly woman that he's writing to. He wants her to understand and to know that walking in the truth is more important than anything else. By the way, the same emphasis goes all the way through into second John. Uh, look, I mean, third John, look at third John verse one. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. By the way, isn't that a wonderful verse? Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. There are theologians who believe that he actually led this man to the Lord. And now he's hearing that he walks in truth. And John is saying the fact that you're walking in the truth is one of the greatest joys of my Christian life. Look down at verse 8 in, in Third John. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers of the truth. Look at verse 12. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness and you know that our testimony is true. Now friends, could anything be more apparent when we read these words and he just keeps saying the word true and truth over and over and over again? John, the last apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, seems to have a godly obsession for the truth. And by the way, not all obsessions are bad. You, you can become obsessed and in love with something that's good, something that's holy. I know the word is used negatively, but John was obsessed with the truth. Have you ever met somebody who was obsessively in love with something, whatever it is? When you talk to them, what do you talk about? Whatever they're obsessed about. That's what they want to talk about. It's the focus that of their lives. A man in this church the other day told me, he said, uh, he pointed out another man and he said, I want you to go speak to him. But before you go, I want to tell you what you will talk about when you talk to him, because that's what he talks about. You don't get to choose the conversation when you talk to him. Now, I, I like that. That's somewhat of an obsession, but friends, that's the kind of person who won't change their mind and they won't change the subject. And and I just got to tell you, I like Christians like that. I like Christians who will not change their mind and they will not change the subject. If you talk to them, you will talk about Jesus. You will talk about the Bible. And you will talk about the things of the Spirit. Now for John, it was all about truth. That was the thing that consumed him. Truth. And if you want to understand why, and by the way, it's not just in these two letters. I went back in the book of First John, and then if you go all the way back to the Gospel of John, and then if you read the book of Revelation, John, at the, at the heart and the foundation of everything he says, he keeps coming back to this word truth. It was all about truth for John. John walked with truth as a young man. John sat in the lap of truth when he was just a teenager. John sat at the feet of truth. John 
heard the God of truth with his own ears teach the inspired words of truth. And now that John is an old man, nothing, nothing, nothing is more important than the truth. Oh, John was committed to the truth. Wow. Now, uh, in these two letters, what we find out is that the first letter, Second John, is written to a lady. And then the second letter, Third John, is written to a gentleman. Both seem to be, as we read about them, dedicated and wonderful servants of the Lord. And yet both of them are given exaltations to continue living and walking in the truth. Now, would you agree with me, friends, if they needed that, how much more do you and I need it today? Understanding, clearly understanding that you and I live in a realm of lies. We live in a world full of lies and liars and deception presided over by the arch liar himself, Satan, the father of all lies, who dominates his subjects so that they fail to understand and comprehend the truth and come to the truth. And for those who embrace the truth, for those who give themselves to the truth, for those who are willing to give up everything in this world that they might have the truth, Satan attacks them. He declares war against them. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. When a man repents of his sins, turns from the things of this world, embraces the Lord Jesus Christ, has a genuine born-again experience, the battle is not over at that point. In many respects, the battle is just beginning. The enemy of all righteousness and all truth will begin to wage war against that man. And will begin to try to destroy him. When a man genuinely gets saved, the battle of his life from that point on is to hold on to truth. And to keep from being deceived. You see, friends, Satan so dominates the world that the world cannot speak truth. They can't speak truth. They can't, they can't tell the truth. I, I know we hear a lot of what's going on in the world and we don't understand. But friends, just as Christ controls our life, Satan controls his world. And they can't, they can't hear the truth. They can't speak the truth. One passage of Scripture says they are destitute for the truth. Another passage of Scripture says they resist the truth. Another says they turn their ears from the truth. There are two kingdoms. We need to start making it real simple again. There are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, and it is a kingdom built on truth. And there's a kingdom of Satan, and that's a kingdom built on lies. And friends, I can tell you, in this world, this world in which we live, is full of lies, it's full of liars. It's full of deception. It is a kingdom of lies, built on lies, that produces lies. That's what it bears. That's what it produces, is lies. That's the bad news. The good news is, the church is not of this world. We are not of this world. We're in the world, but we are not of this world. 
1 Timothy 3.15 says this, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Do you see that? Do you understand what that means? You see, in the pagan world of old, the false gods, all the false gods had these huge, magnificent monuments, these temples with these great and grand and glorious pillars. And what John is saying to them is that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Just as those monuments represent those false gods, the church is a monument to the truth. The church is to be the protector of the truth. The church is to be the proclaimer of the truth. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ exists for the purpose of representing and standing up for and sharing the truth. The church is the one place on planet earth that should not be swayed by the lies of the enemy. The church is all about truth. Jesus said to Pilate, for this reason, I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. That's why Jesus came, to bear witness to the truth. And friends, that's the reason the church exists, to bear witness to the truth. We have to bear witness to the truth. Now, I have to give you a warning at this point. Truth is not appreciated in a kingdom built on lies. Don't you think for a moment that when you get saved and you start telling the truth that the world will start loving you. They won't. They won't. People get saved and they think everything's going to be fine. Let me tell you, things do not necessarily get better in your home life when you get saved. People don't, things don't necessarily get better at work when you get saved. Uh, you don't move from a rough road to easy street when you get saved. Sometimes being saved is a burden. It's a hardship. It's difficult. It's painful. It hurts. But one of the things about being saved and being right with God, as you can know, is that you are right and you have finally found the truth. And when you lie down at night and put your head on your pillow, you can know it as well with your soul. The truth. Have you ever known somebody who was just so full of Jesus they couldn't help themselves, they just had to tell the truth? I've known a few. Some years ago, I went into a place of business in Walker County. I remember it like it was yesterday. And when I walked in, I noticed a woman, I'd never seen her before, very stately, very attractive woman, carried herself with a great deal of poise and, and spoke very well and and immediately when I saw her, I recognized that she was witnessing to someone who worked in that place of business. She was telling them about the love of Jesus and she was smiling and she was telling them, honey, God loves you. And honey, Jesus went to the cross and he died for you. And Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins and he wants to turn your life around. And, and, and he has a glorious plan for you, not to mention in this life, he wants to spend eternity with you. And I just, it was so beautiful. It was just so beautiful. 
that I just stood there and listened. I didn't say a word. Through the whole conversation, when she ended the conversation with that lady, I introduced myself and I invited her to church. And she looked at me and she said, okay, I'll come. I'll come to church with you. She said, I just recently moved to the county and I'm looking for a church. So I'll come to church with you. She did. She and her husband showed up the next Sunday. They joined the church. And by the way, we uh, held their homegoing service in this church for both of them. They both went home to glory since. But this woman, she loved Jesus. But boy, she had a way of telling the truth. It was not unusual. I got all kinds of reports from the congregation. It was not unusual for her to walk up to somebody and say, Honey, you are so beautiful, but I notice you're putting on a few pounds. Don't you think you ought to get a handle on this? No, I'm serious. And, and, and she would just, she'd just do it with such love. It wasn't unusual for us to w walk up to somebody and say, You know, that outfit really does not look all that good on you. And if I were you, I wouldn't wear that again. I, I'm not making this up. She, she said this. It was not unusual for her to say to, say to some, some lady, that's a, a beautiful dress you're wearing, but don't you think it's a little too short? Or don't you think it's cut just a little bit too low? Now, really, is that out of order? Because it kind of sounds like it's a little bit mean-spirited, it kind of sounds like it's a little bit harsh. But you'd have to know this woman. This woman loved Jesus and she loved the people she was speaking to enough that she would have died for them. But she was telling the truth. Now, I know some of this truth was just her, her opinion of truth. But boy, don't you love people that just tell you the truth? And, and by the way, let me ask you. Help me out, congregation. We're beginning a new year. Isn't it true Shouldn't the, the standards of the church, when it, when it comes to modesty, shouldn't our standards be a little higher than the world? Yeah. I mean, really, shouldn't it? When it comes to the language we use and the things we put out on social media, the pictures and the words, shouldn't it be higher than the standards of this world? When it comes to our behavior... And, and the way we walk and the way we talk, shouldn't it be above that of the world? Have we come to the point where it is true that as the world goes, so goes the church? Oh, how tragic is that? The big question for us as we focus on the Word of God in a new, and a new year is do we love each other enough and care about each other enough to get involved in each other's lives and begin to speak the truth to the point that we help one another to live on that higher level? Wow. Do we? Here, here's a verse for you. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You know what that means? That means that when people are really friends, when they're really family, when, when, when you really care about each other, when you have a love for one another and a love for this, this wonderful thing called the family of faith, we should be helping one another and sharpening one another. And every time we get together, we should go back out into the world shining just a little brighter. 
with a little greater testimony because you've helped me look more like Christ and I've helped you look more like Christ and we've helped one another look more like Christ. Oh, friends, that's, that's, that's just a, a wonderful verse. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. Are we friends? Do we love each other? Do we care about each other? Do we care about this thing called the church? Then, friends, we need to get involved in each other's lives. And I know some of what I'm sharing with you now is just trivial stuff, but nonetheless, important. A while back, I came to church. I bet I interacted with a dozen people. A dozen. I'm talking about close. Hugging their necks. Talking with them. Sharing something with them. Just nose to nose, face to face. And then toward the end of that service, I leaned over and spoke to a little girl. And this little girl looked up at me and she said, Wow, your breath stinks. <laughs> and, and, and so help me, I looked at her and I said, Really? And she goes, And I got to thinking about it. I'd interacted with 10 or 12 adults in this church, nose to nose. And not one of them said a word to me. Not one of them said a word to me. If they didn't care enough about me, they should have cared about the visitors. They should have done some deducting. I love my pastor. I love this church. We've got visitors today. If they talk with the pastor, they're never coming back. I know those are little things. Those are trivial things. But truth means that we get in the Word of God. And truth means that we begin to stand on these holy standards. And truth means that we get involved in each other's lives. Then I want you to look better. I want you to smell better. I want you to shine more. I want you to be glorious for the things of God. I have to care that much about you and you have to care that much about me. What if most doctors communicated with their patients like most church members communicate with one another? How would you like to go to a doctor that wouldn't tell you the truth because he was afraid he might hurt your feelings? Now, I got to tell you, I want my doctor to be caring, but I want him to tell me the truth. I do. And I want my church family to be loving and caring and compassionate. But I want my church family to tell me the truth, and you should want your church family to tell you the truth also. And friends, you don't have to be very smart to figure this out. If you know the Bible, then you know your spiritual condition is far more important than your physical condition. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this year, in this church, we started putting pressure on one another to live like this Bible teaches us to live. That, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the case is, but, but come together and so much the more as you see the day approaching that we provoke one another. It actually uses that word in the King James that we provoke one another to love and good works. 
Man, I, if, you're, if you want to be a member of this church and you're determined to live like the devil, we should all provoke you to you either get in or get out. Whatever happened to the purity of the church? Hey, uh, a friend of our family was telling me just a couple days ago, yesterday or day before, I can't remember, New Year's Eve. Now, I don't know a lot about Facebook, but said New Year's Eve, she received a post, and the post went like this. She pulled it up. I guess that's what you call it. I don't know. Said, kids, don't laugh at me. I, I am going to be the last human being on the planet who does not have Facebook. <laughs> now, I don't think Facebook's all that bad. I just think you've got to be careful. Anything would be bad. So I'm not throwing you under the bus if you've got a Facebook page. In fact, a lot of news comes into our home through Facebook with my wife. And, so. <laughs> and I do think she's going to heaven. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, she got this post, and this is what it said. This is New Year's Eve, maybe 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. On, on New Year's Eve, and it says, we have now had so many shots of liquor, the party's getting good. We're almost out of liquor, but we're sending out for some more, uh, and, and we're inviting all, everybody to come and join us. The party's about to get good. That was the post. She responded this way. Where would you spend eternity if you don't wake up in the morning? Yes? Is that, is that good? Where would you spend eternity if you don't wake up in the morning? I, friend, if you've got Facebook, I've I got to tell Get truthful on Facebook. Start telling the truth. And, and, and if you go home and get on Facebook and start telling the truth, you may get, what do you call it, defriended? Is that it? Is that? Unfriended. Defriended. Unfriended. Hey, I'm trying. Come on here. Let, let, me, let me put it this way, friends. You start getting truthful. You start standing up for what's good, right, holy, and pure. Not so much because you're trying to win the world, but because you're trying to please your blessed Savior. And I'm telling you that your friendship with the world will be in question. By the way, do you know why the Bible says speak the truth in love? Somebody's going to tell me after the service, this is the truth, you need a new pair of glasses. Um, do you know why the Bible says speak the truth in love? And it's Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love. Do you know why? Listen to me. The truth hurts. The truth is painful. The, the truth is harsh. The truth cuts against the grain of this world. The truth exposes us. It embarrasses us. It puts us to shame. It convicts us. It condemns us. It pronounces us guilty. And ultimately, it saves us if we'll accept it. But, but for that reason, we have to speak the truth in love. When you speak the truth, you better speak it in love or you'll make the whole world mad. By the way, let me, let me finish up here. In 2005, 
Statistics showed that 35% of believers in the church across America no longer believed that moral truth was absolute. They believed it depended upon the circumstances. Today, this is one of the saddest figures you'll ever hear. Today, only 10% of the people attending church in America believe that moral truth is absolute. Only 6% of all teenagers believe truth is absolute. In fact, the saying today is, there is no truth apart from myself. Truth is what I think it is and what I want it to be. Truth is only what I believe it to be. Friends, the bottom line is we're losing the war on truth. We are. And it is time for us to start speaking the truth. It's time for us to start walking in the truth more than ever before. It, 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 is, it is time for us to be a monument of truth in the world. Friends, when it comes, when it comes to the sanctity of human life and the fact that life begins at conception just like the Bible teaches, we need we need to speak the truth. When it comes to the sacredness of marriage between a man, one man, and one woman, according to the Bible, we need to speak the truth. When it comes to those who would pervert and distort and make a mockery of that sacred institution, we need to stand up and speak the truth. When it, when it comes to holiness and living a life, living life according to the teachings of the Bible, we need to speak the truth. We need to speak the truth. When it, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ being the one and only hope for us all, we need to speak the truth. And when it comes to caring for and loving and ministering to one another and helping one another to live good, wholesome, godly lives, we need to speak the truth. And friends, listen to me. This is probably what you're going to be surprised at. It's not the world that needs it. It's the church that needs it. We're the ones who need it. Let's not worry about winning the world until we have established once again the monument of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and what this Bible says. And let's let people know everywhere that we stand on this word. We have to speak the truth. The reformer Martin Luther said this, peace if possible, truth at all costs. One of my favorite Southern Baptist preachers, Dr. Adrian Rogers, used to say this. It is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. Friends, it would be better for this church to be split right down the middle over truth than for us to be in complete harmony around error. May the truth and the God of truth and the word of truth be the main thing 
in this church in 2016. And when and if, and surely we will fail, when we make mistakes, and we will, may God help us not to make mistakes in that one all-important area of truth. Would you bow with me? Thank you again for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit riveroflifefl.com.